Hello, hockey fans. Hello, Devils fans. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. It has been quite the week in terms of potential Devils news and actual Devils news as uh, we inch closer and closer to the start of the 2020-2021, but really just 2021 regular season. I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. Good morning, John. Good morning, Dan. Um, it's been quite the week for the Devils faithful, as the season hasn't already started and it's already derailing in typical Devils fashion. But let's uh, kind of let's kind of step back and address the news as it came chronologically. So, uh, the first piece of news that's you know grabbing the national attention this week, and really you know it, it's preoccupying the minds of Devils faithful everywhere, is where is Jesper Bratt? Why has that contract not been signed yet? What are they disagreeing on to bring Brat over from Sweden and start quarantining? So at the very least, even if he already has to miss the first week of the season, which I believe he will, he doesn't have to miss any more games. And unfortunately, we don't have any further information about that. Um, every little bit of information from like in legitimate insiders like Elliot Freeman have said that Brat's in Sweden. They're... Not it's far apart, but one phone call changes everything, which, yeah, of course, one <laughs> phone call changes everything. Yeah. That's kind of how negotiations tend to work. <laughs> you know, they th- it happens when it happens. But apparently, whatever the beef is, it's not being resolved here. There's no beef being cooked here. The beef remains raw and uncooked in the fridge, not being prepared for a tasty meal. Yeah. Um, in other news, I may or may not be hungry right now. <laughs> But more importantly than that is that I couldn't tell you what the disconnect is. I don't know if it's a case of Brat and his representation asking for a massive contract that the Devils aren't willing to give him, Tom, or whether or not Tom Fitzgerald doesn't rate Brat nearly as highly as Ray Shero did. Um, it remains to be seen, and unfortunately, we're only going to find out until again whenever it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no resolution there as it was the case last week. Uh, He's still not in practice. They seem to be just going on um, as if he's not going to be there for an extended period of time. So there's not much else that the players and the coaches can do except wait for the situation to resolve itself, unfortunately. And uh, it looks like the GM also had some other things on his mind as the Devils ended up re-signing familiar face and old friend Sammy, Sammy Vatanen for a one-year $2 million deal uh, to add to the defensive depth of the team, as there will be a taxi squad and some extra considerations this year um, in terms of the number of players or NHL caliber players you want through your lineup. But uh, this this adds some interesting questions into the mix of where everyone's going to play, because we thought we had some sort of arrangement laid out, but... Um, you know, you're hoping that Ty Smith still makes the team and gets extended minutes in a season that really has extremely low stakes. And Vatanen is brought in to probably be on the main roster already and relegate either Carrick or Kulikov to the taxi squad. I think that's going to be about what happens. Um, right now, Vatanen, he was signed on Thursday. He's not actually physically at Devil's Camp. And of course, Due to quarantine and the NHL testing restrictions, he's not going to immediately jump onto the ice. Um, so it will st- it's still a bit of mystery in terms of how he's used, because Vatanen played a lot for the Devils last season. Um, he was a regular on the penalty kill. He eventually took over the first, uh, the first power play unit spot for the defenseman, which is a bit odd considering the team has Will Butcher and P.K. Subban, but... 
he got it and he earned it and it actually went pretty well with Vatnin. So it begs the question of, you know, is he going to be one of these all situational players or is he really just here to be the the third uh, the third pairing right sided defenseman behind Subban and uh, PK Subban and Damon Severson? Um, but I I think you are right. I think this does push Connor Carrick back into a scratch slash taxi squad position. Um, Kulikov plays on the left side, so I think he's more likely to be a regular, but Vatnin could slide over. So if Kulikov struggles or gets hurt, you know, they have that option here. But Vatnin is a good depth signing. It's for one year at $2 million. It's not going to block Smith or Ball or Akutyuk or any of the other young defensemen in the system that will likely um, get their professional career started in Binghamton when that starts in February, all things hopefully happening as according to plan and things that did not go according to plan uh we got to step back a few days because we had Corey crawford practice for i think it was one or two sessions with the team and then he stepped away for what was initially called a maintenance day became a personal day and now we found out that Corey crawford has made the decision to retire from the national hockey league after 10 seasons and two stanley cups and obviously you know as a devil's fan it's a bummer because you're relying on uh that level of goaltending depth to be the difference between the devils being completely bottom of the barrel and being a fringe wildcard team but again you can't really question someone's decision if they think it's best for themselves and their family uh it was clear that you know either he didn't tweak something or he just wasn't his heart wasn't into it so he made the decision to step away and spend more time with the family and um you know while we never got to see him in game action in a devil's jersey uh, we appreciate him considering the devils and we appreciate his time in the league and now the devils are faced with a different problem in that they're likely going to have scott wedgwood be their starting backup goaltender and mackenzie blackwood moves from a 1a 1b role to a 1ab and then the everyone else's 2c or below role yeah, that's that's pretty much about the size of it. I mean, uh, Lindy Ruff, the head coach of the Devils, did indicate in an interview yesterday that he did have an, an idea that this was a possibility at the beginning of camp since Crawford did attend the beginning of uh-huh. camp. And, um, you know, Crawford, as you mentioned, had 10 seasons. He's had past injury concerns, um, uh, past issues with the coronavirus. So, again, th- there's I don't want to speculate as to what the personal reasons are. But it, it's not – I don't. I think it's going to be a little more substantial than just he didn't want to do it. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean the, if the Devils were going to be competitive and be at least in the conversation for a playoff spot in this remarkably difficult East division, it was going to be on the backs of Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Crawford playing as well as they did last season and hoping that would repeat for 2021. Obviously, that's not going to happen. And – Speaking of last season, you know who wasn't good in the AHL last season, Dan? Scott Wedgwood. Scott Wedgwood. Yeah, yeah. and Gillison wasn't that much better. And I don't think the Devils are going to strike twice with Lightning to have bad, or maybe I shouldn't say bad, um, questionable save percentage uh, performances in the AHL level, but good performances at the NHL level, just like what they got out of Blackwood. I don't think they're going to strike Lightning twice with Wedgwood or Sen in that sense. So with the season starting on Thursday, we're recording on Sunday. You know, pay attention to the waiver wire, pay attention to any trade rumors. I imagine the Devils are going to be involved in every trade rumor involving a goaltender from now until um, it's established who their number two guy is. Um, But until then, yeah, it's going to be a flip a coin between Sen and Wedgwood because that's where they're at right now. And their first game is in four days. So they may need to figure this out uh, like now. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, with 
all that context that we mentioned, there's possible conversation of the Devils bringing in a veteran free agent goaltender just to make sure that uh, they're not completely left hanging with the backup role, as that was the reason that they dropped a significant amount of points last year. Um, Blackwood did what he could, but you know, even when he was struggling early in the season, it's not like they had any way to break his slump without continuing the team slump. Exactly. And Corey Schneider was definitely past it. So the Devils bought him out. The Devils brought in Louis Nabing, who was also not very good. So, and, and Gillison got two games due to injuries. So, um, yeah, the Devils are, are you know, in it, it, this is an odd spot, man, because the Devils can credibly say, look, 2021 is a rebuilding year anyway. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald's the new GM. Lindy Ruff is first year as head coach. Oh, yeah, it's a shortened season due to a pandemic. You know, maybe just throw this season away. So if, if you end up rolling with Wedgwood or Sen and just let get let them take their lumps as the number two goaltender for, what, 10, 15 games this season? Yeah. You know, and, and if it means you know for a fact these guys are not the answer, go get the answer for the next season. And then hopefully you make that season to a leap forward. You could credibly go down that route. I, as a fan, I don't want them to go down yeah. that route. Cause I don't want to see another <laughs> season of just having nothing to play for after the first month of the season. I would like to see the devils at least not be the worst team in the East division. I think that's still at least possible. Um, and again, I don't think it's good for anybody's development to know that you're going to lose most of the games you're going to play because you have no faith in the goaltender not named McKenzie in the net. So um, I would like to see the Devils at least try to get a veteran goaltender to at least understand the role. That's part of the reason why they signed Crawford in the first mm -hmm. place. He's a veteran who understands, look, I'm not, I don't need to be the guy anymore. I'm 35. I've had my successful career. I'm here to get a good paycheck, get some significant minutes, play a good role for my team as needed, and understand that Blackwood is the future but I'm still going to get at least a significant amount of playing time to help the team stay competitive. I understand Crawford understood that. That's why the signing was a very good signing. And of course, obviously that's not going to happen. So back to the drawing board, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so Crawford also is taken off the books contract wise, because this is a change that was pretty recent, but he signed a multi-year contract as a 35 plus year old. So there was a protection added in where if that person was to retire, the salary cap hit would not go for the team that signed him before he played a game. Um, so his hit comes off the books. The Devils have some money to work with, and it's not like anyone who's still out there in free agency would cost all that much in terms of the veteran backup goalies. But uh, they, they do have even more cap space to work with if that was a hang-up with the Jesper Bratt situation at all. Which it shouldn't be because it was an eight point four five six million, yeah. <laughs> you know, before Crawford retired. Like... Jesper Bratt's not getting $8 million unless Tom Fitzgerald, you know, makes a horrible mistake and confuses him with Connor McDavid. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. So and there's cap space is not. Yeah, issue. it's it's not an issue. But it, it if the perception was that they were wanting to do something else, then they have even more room to work with. But I mean, who's even out there on the veteran backup goalie free agent market like Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard? I, I, no, not inspiring no, confidence in any of those names. No, if the Devils want to roll and I, I don't like this option because it means the Devils are going to have to give up something for this. If they want to trade for a goaltender who has a massive contract that the team just want to get it out under, like say a team out in, I don't know, Nevada, mm -hmm. if they have a goaltender that may have, I don't know, caused a stir in the locker room because their <laughs> agent decided to tweet out a, an embarrassing photo of, 
uh, of a drawing of his client being stabbed in the back by what appears to be a claymore. It's the sword um, of De Boer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, he, he has a pretty substantial contract. Uh, if Crawford's numbers, indeed, his retirement papers go through and he's officially taken off the books in full, then, you know, the Devils could easily more or rather more easily fit that particular player's contract uh, under the Devils cap. But of course, I'm just speaking in hypotheticals here. I'm not mentioning any player by name. You know, I'm not I'm not one of those rumored stirrer uppers, mm. Dan. My name is not my last name is Fisher. It is not Eckler. Uh-huh. Not a not a stir upper is a great way to uh describe what's been happening with um I mean like the, the, the like Tom Fitzgerald so far after making the moves he's made, there's just so much space to work with. It seems like he almost doesn't want to touch anything. It's almost so fragile right now um, with the uncertainty behind how many Devils are going to be missing at least to start the season. And this news that um, for him, I bet, you know, didn't come out of nowhere, but it was always a possibility that he didn't want to explore. He uh, he seems to be okay with the roster going into the year regardless. I mean, this Votnin move was something that was honestly kind of surprising to me, but it wasn't anything that's meant to, you know, stir the pot in terms of making the Devils, making the Devils still a playoff contender. Well, again, it goes back to what is the goal for this season? I don't think this, even if the Devils, you know, even if Crawford didn't retire and actually came out and said, I'm going to give my life to the New Jersey Devils. I know that's the opposite of, I guess, retirement, Mm -hmm. you know, devoting your entire life to this organization that never drafted you and, you know, didn't win any. Is it going to win you any championships anytime soon? But hey, I'm I'm we're speaking in hypotheticals here. Um, even if the exact opposite happened and Crawford didn't retire, and maybe if even if Jesper brought and and Fitzgerald sorted out whatever issue they have, and he signed to a reasonable contract, I don't think this is a playoff team anyway. So again, I don't know what the goal is from management and ownership to say. You know, is is the goal just to make the playoffs or is the goal just to be at least better than they were last season? And I think that that's really closer to what the goal I think should be for this coming season is if you don't make the playoffs, that's one thing. You know, it'd be nice. I would be happy. I think you would be happy. Mm. I think lots of Devil fans would be happy if the Devil snuck in into the fourth uh, spot in the East Division. But I just don't think that's really going to happen. So, um and it's definitely not going to happen uh, short of Craw- uh, Blackwood playing out of his mind and wizening, w- winning two Vezina trophies in one season, uh, which is not possible. Yeah. Um, so to that end, I think the goal is just be better than what you were. And to that end, you don't need to go out and use all your cast space and tie yourself up with massive contracts that's going to hinder future flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, Dan, you know, we also have to understand that making a deal, especially if if Fitzgerald is on his phone trying to make a deal happen, everyone in the league knows the Devils need a goaltender. Yeah. <laughs> and this may, I think, I think general managers they play nice to each other in public and you know in private they're polite. You know, they shake each other's hands. They say what's up. You know, how's it going and all that good stuff. But when it comes to making a deal and they know you need a player. They ain't polite. They ain't nice. They ain't looking to do you a favor. And it's entirely possible whatever deals Fitzgerald is trying to ring up are so unfavorable that it's not even worth um, considering or exploring. So for all we and, and that's kind of the problem of being a hockey fan is that that um, especially with the New Jersey Devils is that you don't 
have a lot of information that leaks out, which is good for management, but not good for media and fans because it's like, oh, we don't know what Fitzgerald's doing. We just assume he's doing nothing. For all we know, he's been, he hasn't slept a single wink in the last 72 hours. And every call he gets is like, hey, man, you can have this goaltender if you give us a first round pick. And then it's like, well, I'm going to hang up on you because I'm not going to give that up, given how bad we're going to possibly be this season. Yeah. Um, You know, that's, for all we know, that's exactly what's happening. So, I don't I don't want to sit here and say I don't want to say that Fitzgerald is doing nothing about the oodles of cap space that he's using. I just don't think there's anything worth doing at the moment. And I think knowing that he needs to get a goaltender, he's not going to get anything remotely close to favorable um, anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know if they're trying to, you know, because there's a lot of one year contracts on the books right now for the devil. So I don't know if they're trying to make Mm -hmm. like some sort of giant swing i don't know who's available next year in free agency but it doesn't really feel like a move that the devils really do via the free agent route now when it comes to um you know acquiring uh, some controlled asset that is commanding a lot of money that's a different story because the devils we just learned have a lot of prospect depth you know we'd spent a lot of time reviewing their prospect pool so if they're potentially planning to address things that way that's a very different story but there's no way you can guarantee any of those players will be available even for the prospects the devils have especially if the prospects don't get any playing time if they keep signing depth defensemen it's my worry about the the moves that fitzgerald did make leading up to this and he couldn't have foreseen crawford retiring but um with the vatnan move i'm kind of worried about ty smith's playing time i know that they don't you know there's a handedness uh, solution to that but there's still eight or eight people signed to or eight people in line to get NHL level defenseman contracts and six spots to fill with one extra. Right. And I, I hear your concern. I mean, it would have been nice to have seen, Hey, Ty Smith is guaranteed a roster spot. And you know, that at the very least we could say Ty Smith is going to get a season of NHL hockey. However, as we have witnessed with guys like Pavel Zaka, Adam Larson to a lesser extent, and other prospects that, you know, had legitimate potential, but in a sense kind of was jumped into the NHL a little too early. Um, and given how this this season is set up, um, I think Smith is still going to get some opportunities. I highly doubt that the Devils are going to be able to keep the same six defensemen or even seven defensemen, if you include Carrick, um, active and available for all 56 games coming up. Yeah, that's out. true. I think you're definitely... I don't want to see injuries happen. Injuries are never a good thing. We don't wish for them. That's it's a bad thing to wish for injuries. Never do that. But based on past history, you know, I think it's fair to say at some point Sammy Vatnin is going to get an injury. Ryan Murray is going to get an injury. Kulikov is going to get an injury. Um, the only guy who I think you could almost pencil in to play all 56 games just based on recent history would be Severson. Mm-hmm. Because he played all all the games last season as well, and he's fairly um, stable in terms of health, and and has been fortunate, you know, knock on all the wood as I say that, uh, in terms of you know staying healthy, playing the position, and playing the way that he does. Um, so when guys get hurt, that's when guys in the depth chart will get uh, their opportunities to be called up and get a, get able to play. So I think Smith will be able to get his opportunity to make an NHL debut in this coming season. And again, if he performs well in camp and he performs well in practices and he performs well with Binghamton, if he if that's where he starts, then 
then that'll be his way to get into the league just like any other player. I think that's the one thing with Smith I do want to emphasize is that he didn't make the team last season because he had a bad training camp in preseason. Mm -hmm. We know that he wasn't 100%, but he also he needed to perform. And if he didn't perform well, he didn't get the job. That's kind of how it's supposed to work for uh, a player of Smith's position, whether it's a prospect or a AHL lifer or a quad A player trying to make make an NHL roster. So um, I do I do hear your concern, um, but I do think that he's going to get his opportunities. And I think to a lesser extent, you'll see Kevin Ball and a Jaeger, not Nate Jaeger, Nikita Akutyuk <laughs> and Riley Walsh. They could all make their NHL debuts at some point during the season because I do think that I, I'd be shocked and amazed that this blue line is able to play the majority of the 56 games that are coming up, especially considering that a number of them are so close together. And especially since you know that you physically are going to carry at least one defenseman with you, maybe even three extra defensemen with you between your scratches and your taxi squad. All times. We, we also know that the Binghamton Devils are going to be playing in Newark this year, uh, starting in February. Yes. And that was an option that didn't exist for Ty Smith last year. So that's something that, you know, even if he is playing for the AHL team, he will not be far from the NHL team. And starting there, you know, while it's not, it's by far, you know, not the ideal scenario in terms of where Smith feels like he belongs. But if it is deemed that he needs more seasoning time, he can at least be close to the team while he does that. It's, you know, again, it's something that you want to get this guy in as soon as you can. But if they have the depth to not force it, they don't have to. I think they're still going to find a way to include him on the roster. But uh, that option does exist, which it didn't last year, which is really nice to know. Exactly. And that was kind of the problem. And that's why I brought up Zaka and Larson to an extent, uh, because Zaka especially was a guy where it was clear that his skill set and his body was too good for juniors, but because of the age requirement, the Devils had to make a decision. Do you go try the NHL or do you go to back to juniors? And with Zaka, they tried, they went with the NHL option, and I don't think that really helped him. And to a, to a degree, I think that's been hurting – that's still hurting him in a, to a degree. You know, he's still – like he has his uses, but, you know, I really do think his development would have been better set if he just dominated the OHL for a season and then joined a bad Devils team instead of being part of a bad Devils team that doesn't and still doesn't know exactly what position yeah. he should be playing. Yeah. Um, Smith, they made the op they made the other decision. They said, look, you didn't have a good enough camp. You didn't do enough in preseason. We understand you weren't 100 percent, but you need to be able to perform. Go and dominate the WHL again. Go be a finalist for CHL Defenseman of the Year. He did exactly those things. So now he can at least, as you say, um, start professional and be in a position where the Devils can take their time a little bit with him and grow him alongside with Ball, Akotyuk, Walsh, and others in Binghamton. And I think it is a benefit that the Binghamton team will be at least local, so you know, it's not going to be difficult for Lindy Ruff or Elaine Nazardine or even Tom Fitzgerald to just, I, I don't know how the building works at the Prudential Center, but I know there is a connected room between the offices there. They can just go down to the uh, luxury box level and then just go into the room that oversees the practice rank and see the Binghamton team play. You know, it's not that far of a walk. There's no need to send somebody up upstate and have them drive four hours to go hang out in a you know, a nice arena up there. I'm sure it's a nice arena. I've not, I've not been to the Binghamton Devils. Well, 
Uh, you bring up an interesting point in that, you know, developing alongside those other young defensive prospects gives the Devils more insight into what their future is going to look like. It's something that mm-hmm. you're going to see these guys playing alongside each other because who has one-year deals right now? It's Votnin, it's Carrick, it's Kulikov, and Subban won't be on the blue line much longer either. So they might have to be in a situation where they get these guys in all at once. Exactly. And Murray's also on a one-year mm-hmm. deal as well. So, yeah, for, for guys like the players that you just mentioned, in a sense, they have the incentive to do well this season because they're playing for a contract, whether it's with New Jersey or anybody else, um, especially if I'm Carrick or Kulikov or Vatnin or, or especially Matt Tennyson, you know, you have to really do well because your next con otherwise your next contract may not even be in North America. It may be in Europe. Right. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. The Devils could see how the young guys are doing together and if they and. Ball and Akotyuk have actually looked good in their scrimmages so mm-hmm. far. I would say that they've impressed me a little bit more in, in what I view from the scrimmages that the Devils have been thankfully live streaming and are available some somehow on YouTube despite their copyright music. I guess nobody told the Devils you can't use copyrighted music on the internet <laughs> anymore. Uh, the, the music industry has decided to uh, enact their copyrights to the detriment of everybody. But this is not the Garden State of yelling about the music industry. This is the Garden State of hockey. And as such, um, the younger guys like Ball and Akotyuk have been utilized together on a pairing in scrimmages, and they've performed very well. Akotyuk has looked a lot faster than I honestly expected him to be. So, yeah, there's a legitimate possibility that you give them a year together in Binghamton, and if it goes well, and the coaches speak well of what they're seeing, and the spots are available, yeah, bring them up and bring them up as a pairing. You know, make it, you know, you can definitely do that and make that viable for the future. And if it works at the NHL level again, then, hey, you you don't we don't have to go out and spend uh, a combined. I'm trying to do the math quickly in here. Almost nine million dollars on five defensemen just to fill out your blue line. Yeah. And there's another, um, you know, consideration here in terms of the system of play. Uh, some interesting quotes we've heard from Lindy Ruff and some players, um, for example, Miles Wood brought it up yesterday, is, is that the system that they're using is not one that Miles Wood believes that they've seen in the NHL before. And if he's saying that, you know, I trust I trust his judgment as a player to to assess that properly, but it's something that apparently resembles the system that Binghamton was trying with Dennehy towards the end of the year last year. And if that's something that was created there and solidified there, then it's not the worst idea to have your defensemen get used to playing in that system together if you're planning to bring them up all at once. I'm interested to see what the manifestation of that, of this whole initiative is looking like um, in New Jersey. But uh, yeah, that's just another consideration as we you know head towards the start of the season. What does this team look like and how does it differ from where they were last year in terms of their style of play. You know, we know how the players differ, but how can they fix some of the issues they had at five on five and with, you know, defense and being more active in the offensive zone? Yeah, I I can appreciate the general idea of just trying to do something brand new because as we've seen under John Hines and the interim head coaching of Elaine Nazardine, what they were doing for the better part of the last five seasons wasn't working. It wasn't good hockey. The Devils were getting bodied more often than not in five-on-five play. Yep. Uh, the power play wasn't particularly impressive. The only thing that was actually good from a team perspective out of those teams was the penalty kill. And, well, you don't need to fix that. I am always concerned when a player or a coach says we're doing something that hasn't been seen before because it makes me think maybe you have seen it before and it there's a reason why you haven't seen it back in the <laughs> NHL. Um, and and it, 
it's kind of why I'm now leaning towards this idea of like, you don't need to make the playoffs. I don't think management is expecting playoffs. I think they're just looking for a marginal improvement and something to look for and something to build on for the future with respect to what is the goal of this season. Cause those, you know, you don't try to do something radical if you expect to, if you have expectations, Dan, <laughs> you know, unless you have no other option, you try to say, look, we know how to do business here. We're going to do some tweaks and we're just going to hope our talent carries us and hope that uh, some additional motivation and some extra bounces our way make it happen. That's typically what happens with most teams, especially if they have legitimate playoff aspirations. It's when you have nothing to lose is when you say, you know, what? let's just throw something crazy at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, with this games being so close together, you know, we're going to find out really quickly how effective it is. And one other consideration to, um, also throw in and why this season is going to be especially difficult from a uh, development standpoint is the fact that with so many games being played together, even though there are not that many back-to-back games, you have a lot of three, four games in one week situations. You don't have a lot of opportunities to practice. Mm -hmm. And to that end, if you're a developing player like Ball, like Akotyuk, like Smith, like um, you know, whoever is on Binghamton, because you could argue almost everyone on Binghamton needs some some type of development. It's going to be better to do that there because you're not going to have the the uh, privilege of having a lot of practices with the NHL team to really work on your game. Um, it, for, if you're on the NHL roster or the taxi squad, it's almost like you need to be ready to go. And if you don't pick up on the system fast enough, then you might as well just go to the Binghamton and learn it yeah. there. This way, you're at least not impacting the NHL team. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll see how it goes on. I, again, with so many, you know, in January, they're going to start the season on Thursday the 14th. And by the by the end of the month, they're going to play one, two, three, four. They're going to play nine games already, you know, in half a month. Mm-hmm. So we're going to find out really fast, you know, how new this system will be and whether or not if it's not effective, is rough going to change to something completely different? If there was a year to try anything out in terms of new systemic changes, it is this one for the Devils. There are almost zero expectations for this team. And again, this is one of those things where, uh, like you said, they want to see improvement, but the results being bad isn't necessarily a bad thing for New Jersey, who is still, you know, could use any number of high picks to uh, supplement this young core because they're all going to be aging at the same time. If the Devils are competitive in games but lose more than they win, that's still okay because they can show growth and show development in their younger players that they're going to rely on moving forward while still maintaining the ability to pick uh, a really good player with a potentially high pick in the draft. Exactly. And while the 2021 draft class, I don't want to turn this into a 2021 draft preview because, oh my goodness, it's going to be a very strange draft year. I mean, we may not actually have Canadian junior hockey and Canadian junior hockey tends to supply like, you know, a massive chunk of these prospects from round one through round seven. Uh, So good luck with evaluating anybody this season. But yeah, I mean, you know, given where the devils are, they could, you know, at some point, the Devils got to get good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Nico Heischer's 22. Like, he's pretty much in the prime of his career. And if he's not in his prime right now, he's very close to it. Jack Hughes is going to turn 20. Um, and then you got the other guys from Binghamton who are now hitting their stride and en- entering their primes, like Bokvist, like Kwakinen, like Sharon Govich. All those guys are 22 right now. 
Um, Zaka may not be a long-term answer, but he's 23. You know, you got to get, I, one of my point is that you got to get the best, you're getting the best out of some of these young guys that you've been drafting high for the past couple of years. Now you're, you're, this is the time to strike. And if it's not now, then it's got to be next season. Um, and that also includes other guys who has may come out of the, come out of the woodwork like Mikhail Maltsev, who's 22 and Marion Studenich, who's still in Slovakia. He's 22. Um, yeah, you do have some younger guys like Smith, Akatyak, Ball, who are 20 years old and will still need a couple years. You have Mercer and Holtz and Mukamadulin in the future. But my point is, is that the the, the iron is getting hot right mm-hmm. now. You got to strike. <laughs> you got to, if not now, you're extending this rebuild even further. And ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, and so you know, based on what we've seen in camp so far, we've talked about the potential, uh, you know, the defenseman already, and it looks like. It's not going to be any surprise than defensive end. Like the hope is that Ty Smith makes it, and whether or not he does is really the only question to ask. It's more like who's going on the taxi squad and who's going on the main squad at that point. But are there any forwards that have stood out to you during camp that you believe might have a uh, legitimate shot to make the initial starting roster? It's everybody's favorite Yegor and everybody's favorite Belarusian player, mm-hmm. Yegor Sharangovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also the only Yegor in camp, so I don't know why I led yeah, with that. Yeah. But he's hey, still everybody's favorite. It is what it is. He's still everybody's favorite. It wasn't a lie. Um, no, he has been impressive in camp. He has been one of the few Devils to have been a consistent scorer in camp. His stick has not cooled off per se. And these aren't goals like these aren't like flukes or like little tappins. Like you know, he's getting into good spots. He's hustling. He's he's playing well alongside Quakinen and Bokvist. I think Bokvist and Kwakinen have looked all right in camp, and I think they're pretty safe bets to make the roster. Bastion is kind of on a bubble. If the if Brat with Brat not being signed, I think Bastion does make it just to fill in a right wing spot. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, I take that back. I think Merkley, Merkley, and, and Bastion is going to be an interesting conversation. Now that I'm I'm, I'm in real time, I'm rethinking. Yeah, this, I think uh, Merkley with, is more in the driver's seat in terms of making a spot than most other uh, prospects in camp. Yeah, he might be. And, but the, the concern is that both Bastion and Merkley lost their waiver exemptions. And I could see either of them be a risk of being picked up on, especially if since the devils are now likely going to, or maybe not likely, but they could take a goaltender off of waivers. Typically teams will say, well, you took someone off waivers. Well, I'm going to take someone from you off waivers. <laughs> and I could see a team saying, oh, we could use a, you know, a right winger for our depth and Bastion and Merkley, I think are capable of doing that for a bunch of NHL teams. So, you know, you have to be a little careful in terms of who you carry. I could see Bastion and Merkley both make it and have one of them just be a scratch just to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And to, and then when Brat signs, then you figure out what to do and hope and pray that they don't get the sniped off waivers. Yeah, that would be but, uh, an ideal. Right. But I do think those guys, I think, in terms of forwards, are going to be on the roster and probably start on January 14th against Boston. I really do think Sharon Govich has made it. I think Quokkan and Bokvist playing well with them really helps their cases. And I think one one or both of Merkley and Bastion are going to be playing against uh, an injury-depleted Boston team <laughs> to start the season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're injury-depleted, but the Devils are going to be missing Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, and... Um, well, Nico could still play. He's uh, still trying to make it in time for the 14th. It may not be a good idea. If yeah, starts, but... that's why I'm wondering if they just wait until after they play Boston twice to get him in there, because uh, I don't think even with him in there, there's 
a big chance that the Devils managed to take that game. Well, or either of those two games, but who knows? Well, again, with, with, you know, yeah, you have two days off after the 16th before you play our hated rivals in the world's most overrated arena. Um, I guess you can get a practice in there, (laughs) but you know, if Nico shows up to scrimmage tonight or tomorrow, then, you know, count him in for Boston. Mm -hmm. That's how I view it at this point. Um, that's fair, but I just don't yeah. think, you know, even if they're unsure, it's worth rushing back against a team like Boston because there's still a massive cavern between Boston and the Devils. And even without yeah, that but... cavern of talent, the Devils just don't play against Boston very well. No, but at the same time, if the Devils aren't going to, the Devils are not likely going to play well against a lot of their opponents this well, season. Yes. I mean, we just said that they're not likely going to make the playoffs, meaning they're going to take a lot of L's. No, I know, but this particular and, uh, Boston core, they've been pretty much bullied yeah, by for been... years. True. But at the same time, Nico Heischer is the second most expensive player on the team. He is expected to be the team's leader. In a sense, I don't want to say his name is going to be Captain Nico Heischer, but if you had thoughts that he could be Captain Nico Heischer, then it means something to have him there, even if your team's going to get bodied in the first two uh, games of the season. And um, speaking of Dan, oh, we have an actual, we actually have a week schedule of games to talk yes, about. Yes, for the first time since March. Yes, yeah, so this podcast will launch the day before the Devils' first game on January 14th against those Boston Bruins. And uh, I think it's followed up by another game against the Boston Bruins, what, the day after yep. or two days after that? Two days after. So the Devils' first game is going to be on the 14th at 7 p.m., and it's likely going to be on MSG, on one of their families of network, since they have the Devils' TV rights. Um, hasn't been formally announced yet, but it really should be at this yeah. point because you got a season coming up. So probably between our recording and the show going up, I'm sure MSG will announce their schedule of uh, television programming. And the 16th is going to be a 1 p.m. afternoon adventure against Boston that apparently Sportsnet will be having. So those of you in Canada will get to see, well, a non-Canadian matchup since all the Canadian matchups are in the North Division this year. Um, So, yeah, that's the schedule coming up. And based on our conversation, we don't really have a lot of hopes that the Devils are going to come away (laughs) with a win, much less two wins. But, hey, everything has already been weird since March 11th, uh, 2020. So, who knows? Maybe the Devils uh, surprise us all with some big wins. Maybe Blackwood plays. Let's be real. He's going to play both games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe the Devils go out, you know, uh, surprise somebody and uh, get some wins under the belt to feel good before they go out to uh, play in the New York uh, City area next week. Yeah. So, you know, th- those are the games you look at where they can be more competitive against teams in more similar positions to them. But Boston is not that team. I know, you know, Zeno Chara is now Washington Capital, but... I still think that they are in a very good position to actually be better because of that uh, than than worse. But, um, yeah, it's going to be just fun to see the Devils back on the ice playing competitive hockey. It's going to be the first time in uh, over nine months that they've been on the ice doing that. So it's it's really just, you know, a rewarding feeling that they get to play it all. Um this year and again the expectations are pretty low i don't think anyone in the league is thinking that the devils are going to shock anyone especially now that crawford has retired but we're still very much looking forward to the games and really looking forward to seeing how the young prospects develop and who will be the future of the devils moving forward and you know i think that's the right approach to look at these games coming up not just for this week but throughout the following the rest of the season is that 
after nine months of nothing. Uh, let's appreciate that there are games. There will be competitive games. I hope these games all go off as originally scheduled. Mm -hmm. And I hope the Devils make strides and improvements to be more competitive. And if that if they do that and finish seventh in the division, I think you call that a success and aim higher for 2021 in the 2022 season. Yeah, so with that, I mean, I don't have uh, any other specific news to share. We're all hoping for an announcement on Jesper Bratt sooner rather than later. We should have line combinations and a roster announcement by the time this podcast goes up. So, you know, we'll include that in the post as well. And also, you know, any assorted Devils news, be on the lookout for everyone's back on the beat and reporting live from the arena. So uh, keep an eye out, keep an ear to the ground as the Devils shape up to start the season and hope to surprise a lot of people and make a name for themselves and bring back that level of respectability from their opponents that uh, they had back in 2018, at least. Yep. And so for the first time in a long time, Dan, let's hope the Devils do well in their First couple competitive, meaningful, regular season games. Mm -hmm. Let's go Devils. All right. Good luck to the boys on Thursday. Let's go Devils. And thank you all for listening. Really looking forward to watching these games and breaking them down with you. And if we do change the format in any way to accommodate for games being played, we will be sure to make an announcement. But in the meantime, thanks as always for listening. And like John said, let's go Devils. Devils.